The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, this Friday evening on the 20th of December 2019 and corresponding to the 22nd of Rabi Uthani. 1441. As usual, we are broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and nationally of, across our sister stations in the UK on Sheffield Link FM, uh, Peterborough, Salam, Derby, Nottingham and many other cities across the UK. Internationally, nationally, you can also tune in to us uh, using the Inspire FM app and of course live Facebook stream as always. Tune in, most importantly, join today's discussion. It's a horrible day out there. A lot of rain, very, very dark, very cold. But I promise you, today's lineup is going to get a lot of passionate feelings out there on the airwaves because we're going to be discussing a lot of hot topics. And I want to really hear from you, our listeners, this evening. 01582 481822. 01582 481822. 0779 0779 481822 is the mess is the number for your social media messages. I want to see, I want to see, and I want to read out your SMS messages, your WhatsApp messages. I want to hear the feeling of my listeners this evening because I as I said, a number of key topics I'm gonna to be discussing. And I don't want to just give you my thoughts, I want to hear your thoughts, right? So Jumatul Mubarak to all of you. Happy holidays because of course the holiday season has officially started today, right? Uh, so inshallah, whilst you're relaxing and uh, taking a sigh of, uh, you know, taking a, a fresh breath of, uh, a sigh of breath air and inshallah ta'ala enjoying, beginning to enjoy the holidays, tune in and get your voices heard. We're going to be covering, we're going to be covering the fierce protests that have been taking place in India. You must have heard of the anti-Muslim citizenship law. Right, that has uh, that has become a part of the legislation in India. Right, we're going to be asking the question: Has India become an apartheid state? Right, we've got a number of members of Congress, uh, members of Parliament from India that are going to be joining us. We're also going to be speaking to a local political analyst and commentator, and getting their opinions on what's been happening in India. I mean, there's been hundreds of arrests. There's been violent, you know, uh, you know, responses to the protests that have been going on nationally across India, and it has been dubbed the anti-Muslim citizenship law. If you don't know about it, you wanna, you need to tune in because we're going to be discussing this very, very shortly. There's also the story that emerged from Pakistan this week. You must have heard of the death sentence that has been passed on Musharraf. That was an interesting decision, wasn't it? Right? So, President Musharraf has been sentenced to death, right? So, we're going to be discussing what has led to this death sentence on Musharraf, right? Uh, is it a political, you know, motivated decision? Or is there more substance to it than actually meets the eye? We're going to be discussing this with General Abdul Qayyum, Pakistan Army, right? So, you might not be necessarily get an independent view from someone from the military army. But we also got the political analyst that we're going to be speaking to. And we're going to be casting our eyes on a number of things that Musharraf was responsible for and asking the question, does it amount to right treachery? Does it amount to the death penalty that has been given, handed down to him, meted down to him by the uh, judiciary in Pakistan? 
Uh, and then we've got a number of other stories we're going to be covering. Record number of Muslim MPs were elected last week in the general election. We're going to be asking the question, does it actually make a difference? Right? Uh, a record number of Muslim MPs in Parliament, does it make a difference to you? Does it make a difference to the Muslim community? Has it made a difference to the Muslim community? That's the questions for you to answer. We're going to be speaking to Nasha, Labour MP for Bradford, and also the Vice Chair of the All-Party -Par All Parliamentary Group on British Muslims. And we've got a number of other stories we're going to be uh, welcoming. Coming uh, to the show, inshallah ta'ala, uh, the editor, the editor of Five Pillars, Roshan Muhammad Saleh, he's going to be covering a number of other stories with us. Uh, so that's the lineup this evening, inshallah ta'ala, 01582, 01582, 481822, 0779-481822. Right, as I said, we're going to be starting with our lead story. Lead story takes me to India, right? Takes me all the way to India. But before I go to my guests that I've got lined up in India, let me give you a quick introduction to what's been happening in India. I mean, there's so much been happening in India recently that, you know, we had India on our agenda last week. We've got India on our agenda this week again. Now, India has been on the agenda for a number of different, you know, policies, decisions, right? Uh, and a lot of them have been anti-Muslim by default. And that's why I'm prompting and I'm raising the question, has India become an apartheid state, a state against its 200 million plus Muslims, right? So the law, a law has been passed in parliament last week. It gives non-Muslims, right? Now, and this is what you want to listen to. It, it gives non-Muslims who come to India from the Muslim majority neighbors, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, it gives the non-Muslims a fast track to Indian citizenship. Right. But when it comes to those who are Muslims, right, including those who have been persecuted, Muslim minorities, like we know the Rohingya Muslims, etc., then they do not qualify. They do not qualify. So their law discriminates on the basis of your religion. Right. Uh, there's been excessive force that has been used by police this week as the, the, the outcry and the public outcry has, you know, almost, you know, caught the whole Indian masses. Uh, North, South, East and West. The UK-US governments have issued safety warning. Authorities have, the Indian authorities have imposed yet another internet blackout. U the United Nations Human Rights uh, you know, Office have called it a fundamentally discriminatory law excluding Muslims. The US Commission on International Religious Freedom has condemned the bill. Amnesty International has condemned the bill. And I could continue and continue and continue. But let me go directly. That's enough to paint the picture of what we're dealing with. I've got from India... I've got from India, uh, Maim Afzal, who is from the Congress Party. I want to welcome you, uh, Maim Afzal. Hopefully I've got your name correct, correct. And really thank you for your patience and joining us at a very late hour in India. But with a question I'm going to raise to you, Maim Afzal, under the B B BJP government, has the Indian government and has India become uh, an effective uh, apartheid state for the, against the Muslims, uh, Maim Afzal? I will not say that it's an apartheid state. Because India is a secular country run by a constitution, mm. which is 100% secular, which but, does not permit but that, but that, but that, that is the law. Uh, right. So that is the precise problem, my Afzal, Right. So you, when you say it run, is run by a constitution which is secular by default, well, we've got religion now coming right into it and, and defining who. I'm who, coming. Right. Okay. Go on. I'm coming. Okay. You see, the our constitution does not allow to make any law discriminating any community on the basis of religion, caste, creed, 
for nine days. Mm. You see, but this law, which has been brought by the British BJP government, is basically discriminating between Muslims and other communities. So there, there is a, a great resentment uh, among the people, especially among the Muslims. Yes. And that's why you are seeing all over the country, there are demonstrations, there are protests, there are violent protests also. Police is uh, uh, making lati charge. Yes. They are doing a lot of things against these people. Even today, it was in Delhi. I am sitting in Delhi. Right. There were a lot of demonstrations here also. Yes. And uh, uh, many people were injured in uh, one city. Yes. Many people were injured in other parts of the country. Yeah. Per day, six people died, and some other parts of the country. So yesterday also and today also. Yes. The so, whole India is burning due to this law. There yeah. is another uh, law which is supposed to be uh, to be announced, which is which has been announced. They will going. To, they are going to make that is called uh, <coughs> an NRC. Yes. The NRC is basically national record of citizenship. citizenship. Yes. Which was only in Assam. We have already tested in Assam. Yes. And we didn't find. People were saying, especially the Bharatiya Janata Party was saying that uh, there are crores of, you know, millions of uh, people coming from Bangladesh, Pakistan, and uh, uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. But you see, only 500 people have till today have given application to to be registered as Indian citizens from Afghanistan. Right. Afghanistan is a friendly country. Yes. Bangladesh is also a friendly country. Right. Pakistan, so we don't have good relations. Yes. And many people, especially Hindus, were persecuted religiously in Pakistan, and they came to our India. Yeah. Okay. Our Muslim brothers in India, they are not against bringing these people if they are coming. We are ready to give them citizenship. Yes. But if somebody is persecuted anywhere, if you are going to give them nationality, why do you exclude only one community out of that? Yes. Okay, that ma 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 th th thank you very much for that. Let, let me pose the same question to Udit Raj, uh, who's kindly joined us also from, from India, conscious of the, the late hour in India. Udit Raj, the, the question that I've posed to Maim Afzal, who's also from, uh, you know, from India, joining us from India, is that has India effectively become an apartheid state, you know, where minorities, are simply, and especially the Muslim communities here, uh, are not welcome and are being discriminated against? It seems like it's an open season uh, against the Muslim with the BJP, you know, dominated, dominated you know, uh, parliament, uh, parliament and government. I look at it uh, differently. Our constitution is secular and uh, nobody can be discriminated on the incidence of descent, caste, religion and sex. But Raj, it's, it's easy but saying that, but the reality, that, uh, the reality is that that's what we're seeing. We're, we're seeing almost a, a Trump-like, you know, banner on on, on Muslims. We're, we're almost seeing, you know, people are talking about, and and, and a lot of Indian commentators, second-class citizens, right? Almost a, a step in the direction of, you know, you know what, ethnic cleansing. God forbid, should I say, of, of Muslims in India? That is the, you know, the kind of direction that people are speaking about and, and discussing. It's all good saying constitution is secular, but. It is their plan to cleanse them. Yes. And uh, sometimes triple talaq and 370 
and of course sometime uh, lab jihad now desh and uh, for muslim uh, biman they are very worried they say they they brought that triple talaq yes yes the muslim biman are exploited but when it comes to hindu biman yeah in case of sabrimala temple it's a very yeah. famous case of supreme court then when the supreme court delivered the judgment that men or women both should be should enter the temple then bjp stood on the way saying no mm. uh, our custom and traditions and faith yes uh, do not allow women so what happened that uh, uh, they they are more uh, worried about sometimes uh, apparently for muslim but of course the whole uh, idea mm. and whole conspiracy is to polarize hindu and muslim absolutely so that they they they, they dominate hmm. uh, uh they they remain in the power yeah and yeah. Uh, most importantly the indian constitution is a secular constitution it is not pakistan it is not bangladesh afghanistan hmm. we have a fundamental rights we have fundamental rights to propagate and profess our religion right but in this case i find that there is called clear cut discrimination with the muslims not only with the muslim but we i look at i'll give you the accounts uh, 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 okay uh, this right i'll, I'll come i'll, I'll come back oh this raj I'll, let, let me come back to you on that right so let's just hold those thoughts i've also got with me uh, abu usra who is a political commentator and an analyst right so he's been following you know the the, the story in india very closely and i want to get his thoughts on it and his view because as i said a lot of the commentators uh, analysts you know are, are writing uh, you know about you know the bjp narendra modi amit shah you know who's been referring to muslim migrants from bangladesh as termites right open season against against the muslim community in uh, in India I mean I mean uh, Abu Isra firstly welcome to Friday night live thank you very much for joining us this evening and giving us your time y- you've been following this story and a number of other stories in India over the last couple of weeks what do you make of this particular story what's the political driver apart from the right wing nationalistic hindu agenda that you know the BJP party uh, and Modi have in terms of you know ensuring that the hinduism you know obviously dominates and and the muslims are really p- almost pushed down to you know second class citizens uh, within india where where you know 200 million plus yeah thanks for uh, having me on uh, hafsa i think what i would like to say is that um, these two gentlemen uh, from from india um they've mentioned the secular constitution but what i would like to say is that this constitution works in a democracy and democracy as we understand in its essence is the rule of the majority as such and also it's also uh, described as a tyranny of majority now regardless of what the say, uh, constitution says the indian parliament lok sabha and the rajya sabha both have uh, passed the cab the citizen amendment bill and it's not no longer a bill it's an act now so effectively constitution has been in in one in one sense it has been uh, uh, changed or amended so this has become a law now um so we need to understand how democracy works so it's it's not enough saying that it's a secular country and the minorities have uh, some rights i mean those rights in our in front of us have been taken away and muslims across uh, india and other parts of the world including bangladesh and pakistan and other regions they are on the streets marching against this tyranny of majority that we have seen 
this is an extreme uh, right-wing government uh, RSS uh, ideology uh, t- uh, um, uh, government, hmm. uh, which <clears throat> is very clear in terms of the, uh, what they're doing with the Muslims. And this has not just happened with this cab uh, bill and NRC. We have seen this. Uh, uh, there is a trend going on from triple talaq issue, uh, from 370 and 35A abrogation in the Constitution. Uh, then we have seen the NRC in Assam. Uh, we see Babri Masjid verdicts in Supreme Court. And even now, uh, by the way, uh, these two gentlemen are claiming that this is a, uh, you know, a secular state. When, when people have taken this case into the Supreme Court to get a stay against this uh, CAA or the, this uh, particular act, what did Supreme Court do? They did not uh, put a say on it. They say they've given a date of 22nd of January. Now it's gone up, uh, gone into next year to uh, for for them even to start hearing this case. So mm. this all demonstrates that the issue is not right. secular. <clears throat> okay. The issue is, issue is democracy and tyranny. Of no, I, I I object. I no, said, listen, I object it that our constitution is not secular because for some period ever since the BJP has come, otherwise. Uh, we have the history of 72 years of independence, mm. so that way you cannot challenge the constitution. Sometimes writing has come, that does not mean that our constitution is bad, and that does not mean that... Uh, but uh, but I mean okay so let, let me let me just go to my Afzal here right I, I hear the point that we're making yeah. with regards to you know the constitution but the reality of your democracy is that the the majority vote make you know any particular law into in, into any any particular motion into into law and that's precisely what's happened here it may contravene no, the, the the principle of the constitution but what we're seeing is outright discrimination uh, against the, the Muslim class on the basis of religion, right? So my, my question to you, Maim Afzal, right? Back in 2013 or even 2012, in, in an article, you dubbed, right, the BJP as a symbol of terrorism. And this was on the back end of the, the Gujarat riots. I mean, what is the future for the 200 million Muslims in India? Right, uh, because I have a lot of Indian Muslim friends, and you know, uh, quite frankly, they are very fearful of what the future holds for them, you know, in India. Right, and and just telling people that this violates the in the constitution of India, the, the the constitution of India is secular, and therefore this is against it. It just doesn't give any confidence to those Muslims who are at the moment feeling so vulnerable. And as Udit Raj himself said, triple talaq. You know, we've had the Babri Masjid, we've had the Article 370, we've had you know Mr. Modi, you know, you know, exchange rewriting history, right, excluding Muslim rulers, you know, you know, changing names and, and places from. Hindu names to Muslim names to try to eradicate all Islamic history from India. This, this doesn't cite well for, for Muslims, 200 million Muslims, strong Muslims in India. What, what, what's your message to those uh, to those people, Maim Afzal? Just uh, what my, my uh, colleague Mr. Udit Raj was saying, he was 100% right. Our constitution is definitely secular. Okay. But on the basis of majority in the parliament, this government is trying to take away the, the spirit of uh, constitution in regard to secularism. They are making laws, they are trying to make laws against the spirit of the constitution. And that's why the people have challenged in the, in the court, uh, Supreme Court. Supreme Court has a right to give the definition of the constitution. Yes. They cannot challenge. 
I hear that point. I hear that point. But the reality at the moment is on the ground is a, is a majority. No, you one know, thing, one hint... thing more I would like to say. Okay. Uh, one thing I would like to say that please don't care that Indian Muslims are very much disappointed. Definitely. But it doesn't mean that we are hopeless. Right. We have been we have been, we have born here. We are going to live here. Nobody can throw us out. And I tell you, uh, this this is not a very small number of people. Yeah. You yourself said 200 Muslim, 200 million Muslims. Yes. Can anybody throw them out of India? Can they thrown out? Thrown out to the sea? No, no, no. It's it's it, that that's a good it point. Basically, yes. This is what what they are saying. Right. That by polarizing. Yes. They are trying to collect the vote but, of one community. No, my, my also, I, I hear that. But, but hatred against. Agree, against agreed. Agreed. I, I agree with that. But, but let, let me go. Let me take you forward. And let me get the thought from Udit Raj on this. Right. So you got the Hindu uh, Hindu Vata, uh, right? Uh, predominant radical Hindu nationalism, uh, Hindu nationalism swaying through through India at the moment. You got a majority there. On the one hand, we're talking about a secular constitution. But on the other hand, you got a right wing Hindu nationalism sweeping through India. They've got the majority. A contradiction in its own right. It's not a secular state. It seems like it's a Hindu nationalistic state, right? Now, the point is, I get that what you're saying about the 200 million Muslims. They're there to stay. Their history is there. You know, Islamic history, Muslim history is there. But this is paving the way for a huge destabilization of India, you know, a threat to the minorities. And it's not paving a way for cohesion and, you know, and, and for, you know, uh, you know and, and future, future proving, you know, the, the, the future of the Muslims in, in India. That, that's my point, Udit Raj. No, future is a very bright look at, uh, 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 let me tell you, mm. because Muslims were ruler in this country, now they will learn the lesson. They will realize that uh, there are friends for them. The 85% uh, people here are Bahujan, they are majority, and uh, you will be surprised to know that the Dalits, they suffer more in the hands of so-called upper caste here, so, the, the very terminology when the Muslim brethren uh, refer here, or they call it Hindustan. We Dalis don't call it Hindustan. This is India in English, and Hindi it is Bharat. So, majority of uh, Dalis who are educated, they, if you call them Hindu, they will not like. They will give you back. Mm. So what happened is that uh, this uh, Bahujan unity has to be worked it out, but only few people on the top of the Brahmins, Banyan, Khatri, they are the people who have been ruling in this country even during the period of Mughals, even British. Right. What happened? The Mughals were very small. Odit Sab, I would so love on to... On the ground, yes. let me tell you. Yes, very quickly. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Very on quick. the ground, they were ruling. Now what happened, now OPC, SC, ST, Muslim, they all are part of, of a smaller or bigger size, part of administration and government, governance. Okay. So what happened that they were... sir, we only have three minutes left. Uh, uh, on the other hand, they are polarizing. Okay, okay. Th th
bypass and dalis are okay oh that's up allow it okay okay let, let, not allowed we'll, we'll fine 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 them. i i hear you i hear your point with the top but we've only got three minutes remaining very quickly I, I, you know, i'm conscious it's very late for you in india and maim sab uh, abu isra i'll come back to you after the commercial break we're going to go into a commercial break in three minutes time my question to you is no signs of backing down right from from modi uh, and his government what is next with regards to this legislation i mean he's been taken uh, according to a lot of commentators he's been taken by surprise the amount of backlash that is receiving from the indian masses what do you think is the next step with regards to this particular legislation is it to wait until january when the supreme court reviews this this legislation and this law we don't have much faith in the, the supreme court because this has been compromised institution now no. under them but of course hope is not lost in the days to come there are many ways many uh, laws and many legislation they are eventually rolled back will be rolled back later right so what happened this is a temporary phase and in the supreme court i think that the plastic forces i uh, even in the on the floor of the parliament i said that the the supreme court or supreme caste so they are the caste people no mm. more in the world the judges a uh, judges uh judge or judges right select judges but in this country okay judges un- un- unfortunately the the that's how we're going to go into a com- we're going to go the parliament does not okay. have role the, that uh, institution is on their side right so we don't have much of faith okay okay un- to come j- j- it'll be out right Right, right. Oh, this up. Unfortunately, we're going, go, we're going to go into a commercial break in 30 seconds. So it's a shame because I was trying to squeeze in uh, Maim Afsal and and get his fi- finishing comment. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to do that in in 30 seconds. So I don't I don't know if you're able to hold for a couple of minutes, Maim Afsal, or whether you need to actually drop off. Right. But I would like to get a concluding statement from you before we finish this topic. Are you able to hold at all, Maim Afsal? Sir, I tell you that uh, the Indian people are. Uh, right uh, unfortunately we're going we're going to go into a commercial break now so so abu abu isra we have come on the road uh, abu isra and maim afsalan udraj if you can please hold on we're going to go into commercial break we'll be back in a couple of minutes and we'll try to rejoin uh, until then assalamu alaikum Assalamu alaikum this is Atif Nawaz listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live uh, on this Friday, the 20th of December 2019. Uh, you're tuned in to uh, Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban. 0158248822 is the number here in the studio. I did promise you a very, uh, a, a very heated discussion this evening, and I think in the first half an hour we just give you, gave you precisely that. But I want to hear your views as my listeners. 0158248822 Zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two. We're going to go right directly back to India because I want to just conclude and get some concluding statements from India on the the first topic that we've been discussing tonight, and that is the the uh, the fierce protests that have been going on in India about on uh, with regards to the citizenship law. and the anti muslim legislation has india become an apartheid state it was a question that i was asking and i want to go back straight to india 
and uh, you know get Mr. Maim Afzal on the, the line. Uh, 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 Maim Afzal, thank you very much for holding on, and thank you. For, uh, unfortunately, I had to lose you because I, we had to go into a commercial break. Apologies for that, but uh, you know I'm going to allow you to conclude the conversation that we were having earlier. You know where where do you see the the next steps, Maim Afzal, and how do you see? I I, I heard your very strong comments with regards to the Muslims, the 200 million Muslims there. They're there to stay, right? The, no one can get rid of them. But it, it seems like it's a very, you know, volatile future under the BJP, under the current existing policies that we're seeing, influenced by his very close associates like Benjamin Netanyahu and Trump, who have been on a, an anti-Muslim vitriol for, for a very, very long time. Mayim Afzal, how do you see the future of the Muslims in India? And how, what, what are the next steps as you see them uh, against such, you know, draconian legislation against the Muslim community of India? I tell you, our future, yes. Indian Muslim future, is very much bright in India. Okay. All our brothers, Hindu brothers, are not communal at all. Okay. Very few number of people are there, just by taking the advantage of some issues, religious issues. Right. This party has come to the power, but mm. they are totally failed on each and every, uh, uh, each and every issue. Mm. The economy is totally down in India. You must be knowing. There yes. is a big unemployment. Yes. The real issues being not uh, raised and they are not allowing. Unfortunately, majority of our Indian media is also with this government by money power or by, by hook or by crook. But so, I will tell you, yes. the agitation will continue Yes. and this this the agitation is not being led by Muslims. But Maim Afzal, the, agita the, ag the agitation will continue. Is the agitation will continue. So, 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 so what, what, what is the next step? Maim Afzal Sab, you know, uh, Udit Raj earlier was saying that the Supreme Court, right, if I heard him correctly, he was saying almost the Supreme Court is compromised. So what is the future? What is the future for the Muslims then? Right. We are not fighting only for this this uh, citizens amendment okay. bill. All right. There is another proposed bill of NRC. Yes. We are also opposing them. Okay. I can give you guarantee okay. that in spite of their full effort, they will not be able to implement this NRC. Okay. It is a bigger threat for the Indian people rather than this one. I tell you, if we, they are going to do it, they will suffer. They will. They, they have to leave their government. Okay. All right, my my Mafsul Sab, thank you very much for for joining us uh, from from India. I, I, it's very very late, uh, very very early hours of the of the morning. So thank you very much for your thoughts. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, my Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, let me go on to Abu Isra. Right. So Abu Isra, you've you've been hearing uh, my Mafsul. You've heard earlier, uh, Doctor Udit Raj. Uh, of course, a lot of concern. I've got a lot of Indian Muslim friends. You know, they express their concern. Concern, you know, the, you know, very alarmed by the current trend in India, right? What, what are your concluding thoughts on, uh, on, on what you're seeing, what you've been following? You know, analysis on BJP. I mean, I understand this is the term two of the BJP of Modi, and he seems to be emboldened by his majority in India. He doesn't seem to be backing away from this current, you know, trend, even despite the the responses that he's seen across India. W what's your reading? into you know what what's next because it seems like he's on a roller coaster at the moment 
Well, my uh, reading is that there is a global trend going on right now. Um, it, it, we can see this in in the North America with Trump's victory in the last three to four years. Uh, very recently, uh, with Boris Johnson's victory here, the uh, almost uh, uh, Boris Johnson can be described as the today's Tory party can be described as an an, an ultra sort of I wouldn't say ultra, but at least at least on the uh, very uh, corners of the right wing. And then obviously with India, we have seen that now the second term, as you said, BJP has come back with even even a bigger majority. So it's it, it, the trend is not looking good, unfortunately, for for the Muslims. I mean, I, I'm personally being from my origins from Pakistan. I'm 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 as a Muslim, I'm highly concerned uh, with the with the affairs of our brothers and sisters in in India, uh, the Muslim, and not just Muslim, but even the Dalit minority, our brothers, Dalit brothers, and other Christian minority, our brothers in humanity. Mm. Uh, the the mm. thing, the, the situation, the, the the reality is this that. With democracy, uh, which with being uh, the tyranny of majority, uh, I don't see any hope in the system that India currently has that Muslim will be able to come out of this uh, at the other side uh, unscathed. Uh, unfortunately, that that is what the reality is. I would not agree with Udit, uh, Udit, Mr. Udit's uh, comment that uh, the Muslim rule before uh, British arrived uh, in India was the rule of Hindus. No, actually, it was a Muslim rule, and under this rule, the, all the minorities and, and right. other, uh, all the all, all, all the citizens of the state actually had uh, opportunities uh, under Muslim rule. I mean, you know, they were not treated uh, discriminatory uh, uh, based on their religion, race, caste, language, region. It, it was uh, a, a fair rule, and I think Muslims actually across the world now demand or think are asking for that kind of rule where we, we are not discriminated against the way we are uh, around the world right now. Muslims okay. are feeling it everywhere. Muslims are on the streets okay. because of this. Okay, Th thank you very much, Abu Isra. You know, I, I want to go out and reach out to my listeners. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who are, you know, originally from India, uh, whether you're Muslims or non-Muslims listening in to us tonight. You know, I, I would really like to hear from you. You know, as Indian Muslims living in India or, you know, at least having family in India, what, what are your thoughts as these legislations are going through in India one law after the other law and as, and as we were saying this is not the first law we were discussing India last week right uh, we got the triple talaq we got the article 370 you know it seems that you know we had the, the, the case of Babri Masjid and, and the, the, the the Supreme Court decision on, on that we've got a very very close right relationship you know between Modi Netanyahu and Trump and we've seen how they've been shoulder to shoulder uh, and you know and, and there's been comments and articles out there where you know you know what Netanyahu is giving his tactics and his policies and the way he's dealt with some of these issues in Israel to India are we going to see something similar being replicated in India all of these questions are out there from my listeners and I want to really hear from some of my listeners from India Right, so we are going to be moving on to our next topic and uh, Abu Israel, thank you very much for continuing to discuss our next story. Uh, we're also trying to get through to uh, General Abdul Qayyum from the Pakistan Army uh, for the next story. It's a, it's, a, it's a bizarre, kind of a bizarre story. You may argue it's a bizarre story. You may argue it's not a bizarre story. But anyway, it's the Musharraf death sentence we're going to be discussing next. And again, I want to hear from my listeners. Well, what do you make of that? 
Right, before I do that, I've also got a, a guest uh, in the in the studios who's joining me to discuss some of these uh, next stories, inshallah ta'ala. Great to have uh, Brother Zafar back in the studio. Assalamualaikum, Brother Zafar. Uh, 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 not, not a very good evening out there. V- very cold, very dark, a lot of rain out there, a lot of doom and gloom. But I did promise our listeners we're going to heat up with uh, with some of the stories we're going to be discussing, right? But I, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear from our listeners, right? Uh, but m- maybe you've been listening to some of the stories. I mean, India is, is, is making the headlines yeah. for all yeah. the wrong reasons. I mean, Amnesty International, the Americans, the United Nations, they're all calling out. We've seen what's been happening in India over the last couple of days, last week, right? So, no, not loudly enough, though. Not not loudly enough, right? No. You know, these these are kind of like gentle, oh, don't do this, slap on the wrist type of things, mm. right? Mm. These are serious, serious... Uh, this this new legislation, right, is actually very discriminatory, mm. yeah, and it sets a, a bar basically yeah, for others to follow. Mm. And if the Muslims of India didn't react, and if the Muslims of the world didn't react, to be yeah. honest, uh, not a not a whimper from the rest of the world, yeah. Right? Uh, then then you know it's just it's it's up to left to the people on the streets, right, to actually raise their voices because they ha- they are left voiceless. Mm. They are being discriminated mm. against, right, and they're they're left voiceless. And, uh, you know, the the crackdown, the brutality, I saw some of the videos that have been yeah, circulated yeah, by the police. Absolutely. You know, you've got, you got students shouting, right? And these guys are not arresting them, right? They've got big sticks, right? And they're, they're punching and bashing them, like the video yeah, I saw. Yeah. Uh, well, some some type of crowd control, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, that's a that lo- lot of media coverage with regards to the brutality that we're seeing from the Indian uh, military, police and, and responses. Have you had an opportunity to speak to any Indian Muslims here in Luton or, you know, no, any I, conversations? I, I, I haven't had the opportunity to, to mm. I mean, uh, to be honest, a lot, lot of, from what I know, uh, yeah. a lot of the Indian Muslims are very patriotic, to be honest, very, yeah. very sort of, um, you know. And, and no, patriotic, which, okay, fine, they might pa- be patriotic from pa- an Indian pa- perspective, pa- pa- yeah, but they, here they're, they're seeing law after law, uh, you know, against their own people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so, so patriotism on one side, on the other side, you got all of this legislation, so, yeah. and right? I think in, in some ways, I think if... if Somebody from the uh, the other side of the border starts talking about these things. It's not seen in a good light. Right. So the best thing I guess that Pakistanis can do, right, is just to sort of, uh, in, in some ways, not to discuss it with the Muslims on the other side, right? Because it's seen in a different light. This is a ind- indigenous sort of uh, outpouring of anger right. at, at the government, right, which is not listening to them. Right. I, I want to go straight straight to Pakistan because we've managed to get through to General Abdul Qayyum from the Pakistan Army uh, on 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 the call. Thank you very much for joining us, General Abdul Qayyum uh, from Pakistan. Can you hear me? Assalamualaikum. Yes, wa alaikum assalam. Thank Th- you very much. Thank you very much. Welcome to Friday Night Live. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we, uh, this story, tell, tell us uh, your view on, on the Musharraf death sentence that's been handed down to, of, of course, of a former general ruler, uh, Pervez Musharraf, of, of course, who's not in Pakistan at the moment, in, in Dubai. What, what have been your first reaction as also a military uh, gentleman yourself? Yeah, you see, um, it's very unfortunate that... Um, an army general who has been the chief of army staff had to be finally convicted for abrogation of the constitution. Mm. Uh, but he ruled for uh, nearly 10 years and uh, his initial takeover was regularized by the parliament and uh, cleared by the courts. But subsequently then he, when, de- when he declared uh, emergency in the country and arrested the judges, including the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Now, for that, that was not uh, really cleared or uh, legalized. 
by any uh, neither any court nor the parliament so the when he left then there was a case against him and then one court has decided that he needs to be executed by hanging mm. now that is one decision and it's yeah. a, it's a split verdict yeah. because uh, two two judges said yes one said no and uh, he has all the right to go to the higher courts and in that i am sure that he will have uh, find some lacunas in the right uh, the process that was followed right in that uh, i am sure we pray it's a legal and a constitutional issue and we pray he get justice okay so so okay general bukajim some people would argue okay being from the military you know your, your empathies and your, your sympathies would would not surprisingly be with another you know former military individual right but i mean there there, there is also a case that not only that the suspending of the institution uh, of the constitution sorry and the state of emergency in 2007 but you know since his his rule in pakistan and taking over from uh, nawaz sharif you know he's been responsible for you know a number of you know decisions you know a, a number of cases against musharraf you know from the forced disappearances in pakistan we've seen thousands of reported cases of enforced disappearances and you know general pervez musharraf 1999-2008 seems to be at the at the head of uh, ahead of uh, that, you know th- those you know forced you know disappearances in pakistan we've had the the infamous case of afia siddiqui again under musharraf we've had you know almost 800 prisoners who were sent to guantanamo bay under musharraf you know and and the list continues in terms of his complicity using airspace and and the soil pakistani soil for the afghanistan you know case etc etc so there's been a number of different cases that are all pointing towards musharraf and people a lot of people are saying that there's more than one reason for you know musharraf to be tried yes uh, you see uh, being an army ex-army officer i'm not really biased to give my opinion i'm just giving an as an independent pakistani hmm and i want to tell you that uh, you are right when you say that he took over in 1999 from an elected government and he arrested the prime minister and so on and then the issue of the afia siddiqui and all that yeah but uh, then the the moment he took over the highest courts of the country uh, set up uh, legalized that and then the parliament uh, approved it and uh, he uh, most of the people joined him the politician yes so unless the legal legal people and the political people if they had not cooperated with him he would have been in problem uh-huh. but they all cooperated with him so that is why his charge is today not obviously <coughs> here is initial takeover yes the so- charge sheet against him is what he did later on yes and uh- i quite agree that that one must not do this against an elected government if you have a constitution hmm. you have to respect that constitution as a soldier but the moment you really get out of your general quarters and uh, interfere in the politics then you become a politician you right. know, or remain an army so so no, i'm i'm going to bring in more than your subject right abdul kalim sir i'm going to bring in abu israb before that you know uh, uh, brother zafar wants to to come back on on, on i think th- there's a couple of lessons uh, for this i would say mm. uh, in some ways um, a civilian government holding a dictator to account right is unprecedented in pakistan mm. right uh, and in some ways it kind of it closes that door right on the military to take over Right, whenever they think right this is appropriate and and mm. and I, i don't know what other so people so that's a good precedent 
that's a good good precedence, right? right? On but the one military side. obviously not happy yeah, with it. No, no. no. But, well, the other the other side, you have to uh, you have to sort of judge it by uh, the the verdict and how fair was the verdict and whether all of the 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 things that he was accused of had been taken into account. His right has uh, to, to reply and and right. to represent him has been taken into account, and and and. And, and initially, when I read the reports, right, I thought maybe uh, th- this is this has been well thought through. Yeah. But in a couple of paragraphs in the rep- in the judgment, right, mm. which kind of gives clues as 167 to 167-page verdict. Yes. Right? Page 66, it says it talks about him if he comes back uh, dead, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, from elsewhere, the, 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 then to hang his uh, body. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, to I, me, I, to I've seen I've seen that, but but a lot of people would also argue. I mean, you know, this, you know, the fact that we're talking about 5,000, you know, so re- let, let me fi- let me finish. Yeah. yeah. So so, so, so basically, that kind of calls into question the impartiality of the judge. Sure. Number one. Yeah. Uh, number, number two. Uh, these, I, I guess, seems similar sort of uh, a judgment against the judges. You know, when 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 Nawaz Sharif was released to come to UK, yeah. there was a video circulating where the judge who actually released him was was getting hugs and kisses right from from uh, family of Nawaz Sharif. Effectively, mm-hmm. as it calls into question the the fairness of the mm-hmm. judiciary. Yeah. So that that's another question. Okay. But it it does, to be honest, I think it does close our door, in my opinion, if this goes ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether other people have noticed this, not all right. But whenever there is an external agenda in Pakistan, the yeah. first thing that that goes is the government. Yeah. So this is true of of uh, General Zia. Yeah. Uh, it was true originally, uh, you know, of Yahya yeah. uh, and and uh, General Ayub, yeah. and it was true right when. When there was an external agenda in yeah. Afghanistan, out popped the the elected government, yeah. right? and and a dictator came in. So right. you have to, you have to, you know, it clo- kind of closes that door on that right. chapter. All right, we've got about nine minutes. Uh, Abu Isra, you're a, you're a political commentator and an analyst. I mean, I, I smell something here, right? So it's, it, I mean, you know, you know, there's something, be, you know, which you know doesn't quite, you know, meet the eye. What's the what's behind the scenes going on here? Is that a bit of a tuffle going on here? Not surprisingly, between judiciary for a military uh well, you know g- 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 clarify for us what, what's happening in your opinion i mean the, yeah the, 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 sorry abdul this is for abu isra just yeah i would like to just uh, quickly make a yeah. point here that uh although general okay, and, I, uh, and and mr zafar in the studio they've made the points i just would like to add a uh, give a different angle to okay. this General Kiyum, mashallah, he's a, he's a head of the Nadriya Pakistan Forum in, in Pakistan as well. I think the unfortunate reality of Pakistan is that a country which was created in the name of Islam, unfortunately, it finds itself at the dead end now. So we've tried the, around 10 years of General Musharraf's dictatorship and then followed by a period of almost non-stop democracy, uh, transition after transition from, uh, from uh, Zardari to Nawaz Sharif, now to Imran Khan. Unfortunately, we are at the dead end where uh, Pakistan actually is seeing one failure after the uh, after the other, and and also as we've discussed previously, the India situation. Muslims actually there are really fearful of this extremist uh, right wing uh, RSS type government there, and obviously Muslims around the world are facing this this uh, the sense of uh, heightened fear in them around the world, for whether they are in the but West, but, but what, what, what's your what's your point here, then, Abu Isra? So my point basically is that. We can, keep, we can keep discussing uh, Musharraf's verdict, 
you know, and we can look at the legalities of it. But the point is that we need to also discuss uh, the, the solutions in terms of how do we get out of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like I said, General Qayyum has given his side in terms of what Musharraf's verdict was, and, yeah. and uh, Zafar Saab in the studio has mentioned. What I want to make is a slightly different point, mm. that as, as Pakistan was created in the name of Islam, I think we, we need Islam back in this country as, uh, at the state level so that we can address these issues on a permanent basis. But in terms of your analysis on, on what's happening at the moment and, and, this, st- and, and this judgment, I mean, it, uh, the, surely is, is politically, is, politically is, is the question right, is it politically motivated or is, is this, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an unbiased, you know, you know, a judgment against uh, Musharraf for, you know, you know, for his you know, violations against the constitution, uh, I, I, I think I think what has happened here in this particular case is that the special court which was formed uh, taking the chief justice of the uh, of the provincial uh, high court mm. it's just that a couple of the judges had a very independent kind of thinking mm. and, uh, and and a verdict has gone against uh, the the establishment this has never actually, this is quite unprecedented i mean it hasn't happened in the history of pakistan to be honest yeah. at this level right. uh, yeah so i so i reckon that this is not an institutional uh, uh, matter it's just a few individuals who had uh, very independent thinking and they came up with this decision all right so abdul abdul kayum sab uh, okay khan's government of, of not surprisingly is supported by the military they tried to get the verdict delayed right uh court has finally issued its initial judgment now you know on the 17th and now we've got this detailed report on uh, the december the 19th which was yesterday right military action is not surprising what, what do you think are the implications of this judgment now going forward okay i generally agree with what zafar said and my other friend was saying that the spirit is that we created this country in the name of uh, of our religion and we wanted to have a separate homeland and we wanted to practice our own uh, beliefs and values and an independent country. But unfortunately, because of the uh, interventions by the military over a period of time, there, there, uh, we could not have the continuity uh, because that affected and now uh, the, this uh, verdict has come, this is unprecedented, <clears throat> but at the same time, uh, uh, it is true that the country needs a democratic system and country needs that the, there should be rule of law and the uh, public participation. And uh, maybe first government was of PPP, then was Nawaz Sharif, and now is Imran Khan. And I think we should feel proud that we have a democratic system and in that it must deter any military intervention in future too because any country which does not have any constitution and rule of law, they don't progress in the long run. So I am not disappointed. I am sure that uh, if there were uh, this verdict is harsh uh, or it cannot be legally supported, there are other, he has, President Sharaf has a legal avenue open to him. He can go to the higher courts and I'm sure and secondly, he's not here in the country, he's unwell in yes. way. Mm-hmm. And if he goes to Europe, there the capital punishments, they don't even accept uh, hanging yes. and all that. Yes. So therefore... Uh, so he's, he's got he's, he's to get out, Klaus. But General Abdul Qayyim, do, do you think there's a, a, a deeper you know, message to the military here via, via this independent judiciary judgment? Yeah, the point is, this message is for everyone. Okay. I would see, I am proud of being a soldier, I tell you. I, have, uh, I am a war veteran. 
Mm. And I know our military is amongst the top few professional armies of the world. And but then these are individual actions. No, it, it, it is, and, 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 and you know, I echo your your, your sentiments. But again, I, I think maybe in the future we need to look at Pakistan military in a bit more detail. But but it has got it has now got its fingers in a lot of different pies, hasn't it, uh, General Abdul Qayyum? Yeah, yeah, that is weakness of the politicians. Also, mm. I tell you. Okay, because agree. If agree. today Imran Khan wants to become an effective chief executive, he must take independent decisions. He's okay. the one who takes U-turn every second day. You see? Okay. He's the one who said that Pravez Musharraf did not do a right thing and he should be executed and he has violated the Constitution. But now he's done a U-turn. He's taking a Abs- different course. Absolutely, absolutely. J- J- so the point is that the great leaders have one stance. They, they go by their principles. F- and fantastic. they don't bother for their own... Uh, General Abdul Qayyum Saab, thank you very much. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. We're going we're gonna to get cut off in 20 seconds. So thank you very much for your time this evening. Great talking to you. Inshallah, we'll talk to you again sometime in future. Abu Isra, unfortunately, we've got to... We so gotta, thank you very much. Abu Isra, thank you very much also for joining us. Unfortunately, I can't come to you. I've got 10 seconds left. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. And Zafar Saab, I'll come back to you afterwards. But listeners, I want to hear your thoughts. We're going to go into a commercial break. We'll be back in a couple of seconds. Until then, Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, and also Brother Zafar here in the studios of uh, Luton Inspire FM 105.1 FM. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. 0779 0779481822 is the number for your social media messages, for your SMS and your WhatsApp messages. I was hoping to get a number of messages from our listeners, uh, but not until now. We are covering a number, or we did cover a number of key stories in the first hour, and uh, namely uh, the anti-Muslim citizenship law of India. Uh, we were discussing has India become an apartheid state with a number of uh, member of parliament from from India. Uh, very kind of them to join us very late in the evening. I want to hear from some of our listeners who may have Indian origins. Would it be good to get your thoughts on this story. And then we were also covering a Musharraf death sentence with the General Abdul Qayyum from the Pakistan Army and a local political commentator and analyst and of course getting Brother Zafar's uh, expertise opinion on, on this particular issue also. Brother Zafar, I don't know if you wanted to say anything uh, at the end of that uh, first hour at all or were you happy? Um, I think that, that everybody was on the, on the same page effectively. The only thing okay. I wanted to say really was that uh, I, I think... Um, quite right I think uh, you know the state of Pakistan was created on the, the basis of Islam yeah uh, and and it's not had the opportunity to sort of actually serve according to its principles properly right mm. and then you know uh, a n- number of again pictures circulating with our chief uh, uh, Supreme Court judges with bottles of wine glasses of wine etc mm. it doesn't send the right signal yeah um, so and I think but I it's fair to say that we have somebody you know Prime Minister is a weak Prime Minister in the sense that he's a, he's 
in a coalition, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the people who are in a coalition are people who are, you know, based, you know, they're there because of their own self-interest. Yeah. So he has, to, he has to toe the line, right? In in many other cases. Okay. Uh, you know, so in particular, he's in, I guess, the, the former party of Musharraf side. You know, his, his allies is in. Yeah. In, so. All right. So that's, that's interesting actually because that actually builds nicely into the next topic. We've, we're going to be covering uh, in the next ten minutes, uh, listeners, uh, a number of stories in the next hour. But in the next couple of minutes, uh, we're going to be covering. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know, a record number, right? A record number of Muslim MPs have been elected in the 2019 general election. Did you know that? Right. So last week we got a record number of Muslim MPs elected in the 2019 general election. A lot of them were, you know, you know, retained their seats in the elections. A number of new faces have now emerged. A number of stories have already started hitting the social media in terms of the background of these stories. Question I've got, right, is, and brothers, I want you to think about this too, right? Is does it make a difference? to the Muslim issues, right? Because a lot of people, I'll tell you what we equate, you know, very simple-minded people, Muslim MP equals Muslim issues being progressed, being represented, and we're hearing our voices in the Houses of Parliament, our interests. But that doesn't necessarily always happen, does it? Now, you're quite right, but I think, yeah, we've got to stop thinking about, you know, this this kind of like isolationist attitude. Right. So those MPs are there to represent everybody in their constituencies. No, but but hang on, hang on. A lot of these MPs, when they go out for vote, they go out with that agenda. They say, Muslim, vote vote for us and we'll represent your... It's true. No, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, uh, but they're also there, and I think a lot of them come from areas where there is a lot of Muslims, right, yeah. uh, who voted for them, and, and they've got to champion, right, the causes of, of uh, the wider are, community, uh, the I, I, and, and, the, and the causes which, which are of particular interest to in Muslims as right. well. So, and I don't know, I don't want to spend too much time uh, discussing it between ourselves uh, right at this moment. We will, we will discuss it because we've got uh, a special guest on uh, on the call waiting for us. We've got, of course, Nasha. Uh, live on, on, on the call. Naz, uh, thank you very much for joining us on Friday Night Live and welcome to Inspire FM. Thank you very much for your time this evening. And of course, we're asking the question, record number of Muslim MPs elected in the general election last week. Uh, firstly, congratulations to you also. You've managed to retain, uh, probably not surprise, surprise, your, your seat out in, in, in Bradford. Uh, so firstly, w- your response to a record number of Muslims being elected in general election. Good news for, for the Muslim community? I think it's good news generally for the whole country. If you've got more diversity in Parliament, it's, uh, you know, diversity is good for democracy and it's good for communities. So I think it's uh, not just for the Muslim community. I think it's good for the for all constituencies in the whole country. Okay, okay. Step in the right direction. Step in the right direction. Fair enough. I think I think that's a fair observation, fair 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 comment. Uh, a, a lot of Muslims, right? Uh, they would automatically associate uh, Muslim MPs means Muslim representation means Muslim issues at the forefront uh, in, in the uh, in the Houses of Common. You know when when you know there's similar issues are being debated and discussed, but that doesn't generally always translate itself in action, does it? Well, the truth is that Muslim MPs, whether you're elected in a Muslim area or not, you're there to re, you know, represent everybody. And in my constituency, it happens to be the majority of my constituency happens to be Muslim. I happen to be Muslim. Mm. Um, I didn't set out to be the Muslim MP in Parliament. Yeah. I became a Muslim MP in Parliament simply because of the narrative around Islamophobia. So yeah. you, you kind of... And the, the truth is that I my... Uh, you know, my uh, bag is equality 
Um, so I'm the Shadow Minister for Women Inequalities, and then Islamophobia has landed with me. Yeah. So it's my part of my portfolio. So I happen to talk about Muslim issues. I happen sure. to be Muslim. But does that mean somebody else couldn't talk about Muslim issues? It just gives you an advantage of having that kind of experience of it directly affecting you. But ideally, mm. the issues for Muslims shouldn't be just argued about by Muslims. It, it's everybody's business. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so I was going to say uh, that's true, uh, but I want to just follow up on a point I made earlier on the fact that yes, we're there to represent any everybody, but I think there is a case to be answered where the general populace, right, has an expectation that Muslim candidates demonstrate that they are acting right on on behalf of everybody, not just the Muslims. Uh, from my understanding of of the uh, of the the parliament, I mean, the parliament is full of people and they're hunting packs. Right, uh, and they've got their own agendas. Whether it's the, it's the the pro-Israel lobby, or whether it's the mm. pro pro-gay lobby, or wh whether it's the pro-arms lobby, or whatever, they're hunting packs. They've got a background. They've got an agenda of themselves as well, not not necessarily, and not all of them, right, are are would be or are required to be judged on this. Are you serving the wider populace uh, mm. uh, charge? I would say, mm. uh, but but I think you know. Uh, I think the the point you made is telling, right? Because it's saying, well, because they're Muslims, therefore they will serve the Muslim agenda. I would say. Yes, that is the case. They should, uh, you know, mm -hmm. put forward the Muslim uh, Muslim perspective. Yeah. But at the same time, they should be uh, representing the wider uh, constituency yeah. and, and and the country. But at the same t at same time, we shouldn't have to prove that, that mm. we're not doing that. Mm. I think that that's a very, very good point. I mean, Nashad, the, 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 you know, add, let me add on, on to that, right? So I, I, you've got the famous example in Birmingham of the yeah. LGBT school round, right? Yeah. Where, you know, a non-Muslim MP, Roger Godsiff, right? He was given a warning and then later we know he was deselected for, 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 mm. for, you know, in terms of representing the Labour Party, right? He stood up to, you know, in you know support of the Muslim parents who were protesting against the LGBT agenda. Mm. A lot of the other Muslim MPs, even Khalid Mahmood, for example, locally voted it for you know LGBT legislation earlier on so so that is the, the point where is why can't these Muslim MPs who a lot of these Muslim MPs when they're going out to their community they are you know you know you know calling upon that card but when it comes to representing an Islamic issue we find them voting against and that's why I'm saying the track record doesn't speak well for for Muslim MPs Naz. Well, no, I, I would argue, uh, actually, there are, whilst though in the RSE issue, in the RSE debate, every single Muslim uh, who was in Parliament voted, voted for, um, so, so that does not mean to say they're not representing Muslim issues. I, I would argue that that's not the case. And in this instance, when we're talking about the RSE legislation, that had been gone out to consultation because I myself spoke in that debate. And the issue here was simply, and I, and I think uh, Sheikh said it really, really uh, clearly on the on BBC Radio, the issue for Muslims, the, the whole idea of homophobia, the issue of uh, uh, sexuality, Muslims, there's this narrative that Muslims are homophobic and we're not. We're not homophobic. We are we are a community which is very much wants equal equal rights in terms of human human rights. Mm. You can't expect mm. human rights for yourselves and not given to. And that's an Islamic value is giving people human rights. Right now, the the idea of religion and politics is two different things. We're not scholars. 
we're we're not elected to be you know the spokes the spokespersons on a religious theological basis because I couldn't argue any theology theology. Mm, mm. What I can argue is for the parents, yeah. the parents in my constituency, some of them are some of them have got grave concerns about the RFC issue. Others haven't. Mm. Others are others are looking at through, through the lens of human yeah. rights, human rights, human rights equality from a human rights perspective. Just because somebody has happens to have a sexual a different type, type of sexuality, mm. does that mean they don't have a right to human rights like any any of us do? And that's the that's a conversation. That's a wider conversation. Right. Wherever legislation has been wrong, yeah. and I've argued this is that. When there is a difference of opinion, hmm. when there is a difference of opinion, and Muslim parents do not feel that their rights as minority communities of their faith is not being protected, yeah. then where do we go from there? And then the government has not thought sure. this through. Hmm. And I invited the minister to come up to my constituency. Indeed, Shabana and I both spoke on that issue. So to say we're not representing uh, Muslim uh, Muslim communities, that I would say would be unfair. Okay, well, I, I mean, uh, uh, where uh, we can. Fair, fair enough. I, I hear you, Naz. Uh, I mean, LGBT RSE is, is one you know example, right? We've got other you know anti-draconian legislation. We've got prevent and, and the likes, right? We've got Kashmir as an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of our, you know the you know constituency and, and the Muslim vote. You know, they would point to a number of other examples where we're not necessarily seeing those. So it's it's, it's a wider issue. It's not just an issue of one particular case where we're not necessarily seeing that consistency. Foreign affairs, foreign you know foreign affairs is a lot of issues where you know we don't see that necessarily coming through some of those muslim mps but anyway so it's a point that we're, we're discussing let's move on to the other wider issues i mean you're also the vice chair of the all party uh is it parliamentary group on british muslims right so t- tell us more about yeah. that and and what is the role of that i mean so let's say we've got these 19 muslim mps in parliament you know there's a lot of other you know brothers of you know were saying a lot of other interest groups right within parliament you know all of these MPs, they represent a number of different interests, whether it's commercial interests, industry interests, NGOs, or, or other political, you know, persuasions or religious uh, persuasions, right? So, so what, what is the role of you and the, the 19 Muslim MPs? Is there some kind of a, a concerted effort to support particular concerns or areas of interest or areas of of, of faith, for, for example? Just take us into a, a you know the, the wider insight. So the All Party Parliamentary Group for British Muslims is not just um, so, so. So I play a very, very active role in that All Party Parliamentary Group. And last year, last uh, last November, we launched um, the uh, definition of Islamophobia. So if you you may remember that the government was refusing to have said it didn't even need a definition of Islamophobia, despite the increase in hate crime, etc. So the definition of Islamophobia, we went out to consultation across the country. Over 750 organisations signed up to it. Um, the Labour Party signed up to it, and um, all the political parties, bar the Conservative Party, signed up to the definition, which is Islamophobia is a, ty- is a type of racism. It, it's rooted in racism, um, and it's, it attacks the, it's, it's, uh, expresses or targets the expression of Muslimness or perceived Muslimness. Yeah. And by that we mean we've had, you know, we've had a Sikh guy who was murdered in America because somebody thought he was Muslim. You know, mm-hmm. people we have men who wear beards who have been attacked because yeah. people think they're Muslim. So Islamophobia isn't just about attacking Muslims who you know are Muslims because we've yet to meet any bigger who so, actually so, so tell question, us, are you Muslim? Nas, tell us more about the working, what is, you know, 
day to day and and practically what 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 is it able to achieve? I mean, let's look at prevent, for well, example. We, we we've seen prevent right as a policy nationwide. It's not a constituency, but nationwide resentment, nationwide. You know, we we've seen you know people being outspoken against it. What would the the role of the the all parliamentary British Muslim yeah to be on on, on well, the such all issues? Party for example, parliamentary group. Yeah. Well, the all party parliamentary group has not just so it's done the all party parliamentary group has done the work on the definition which has been yeah. groundbreaking and okay. massive and phenomenal in, in politics. And mm. um, we've also done the charity sector review. But in terms of prevent, yeah. the people who are um, on that, the British Muslim Bill Party Parliamentary Group recognise and, and, and that because it's an all-party parliamentary group, we're from across parties, including the SNP, including the Lib Dems, including the Tories and, and the Lib Party. Mm. Um, so it's not one of us. So we work on consensus issues together. Um, now, the prevent stuff, what's happened now, today, is that Lord Carlyle has been removed because uh, yeah. Rights Watch UK did the challenge, the legal challenge. Yeah. And I've tweeted out about that, and I and I raised concerns about the issue of Lord Carlyle being so-called independent. But then the Tory government has, an, has a knack and has history of recruiting people who are not independent. For example, the, the extremism yeah. commissioner... Sarah Khan, I've taken yep, her to task yep. on the Home Affairs Select Committee. So it's not just about the old party mm. parliamentary group, it's about individuals as well. So on the Home Affairs Select Committee, I questioned Sarah Khan and her independence, and right. you know, it's mm. there on record for people to see, because I don't feel she's independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't understand what she's doing there, to be fair. Um, but then Absolutely. there's also the idea, you know, I've, I've had Quilliam Foundation in at the Home Affairs Select Committee. You know, I've questioned the links between the Henry Jackson Society yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Rudd when she became Home Secretary. You know, I've had... Uh, so, so, there is, so, so for me, because I've got a larger Muslim constituency, it's very yeah. clear for me that I've got a... I, I, I do... You know, I took on the Sun on the Muslim problem article. Mm-hmm. I've, um, you know, the the Jewish Chronicle this week. I've challenged them no. on hosting Melanie Phillips, the right. disgraceful right. Islamophobic article, okay. suggesting there isn't. You know, so there's different people right. do different things, really. But we can, you know, we are a collective, mm. and we can lobby and we can, mm. you know, contribute to and influence wherever we can to make yeah. the lives of British Muslims, you know, especially given the backdrop we've got now, better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what so, I, was so I, I, I was yeah. going to say. I think, uh, in in some ways, I, I kind of use the term hunting in packs mm-hmm. uh, in, in the parliament. I think, in some ways, that's probably accurate. And, and I'd, I have to perhaps say that that uh, our pack is probably not uh, not as cohesive as some, some of the others. Maybe I, 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 I was going to I was going to say. That, so the nineteen. I mean, I'm sure they're not a homogeneous pack, right? Uh, and, and you know, <laughs> exactly. we're different on even quite fundamental well, issues. I, I, I don't think I don't think others are so, either. But I think I think what. What's, what's no, important? but at least you've got a common denominator, a common set of principles and beliefs that you all, you know, ad- adhere it, to it's, and it's uphold, true, it's, right? It's true, but I, I think in, in some ways uh, the, the MPs are there to, to, I guess, in some terms, to reflect and also, um, I guess, take forward some ideas, which cohesive mm. ideas that come from within the community. Right. So if the communities come up with some ideas, reasonable ideas, and how to go, to move forward with them, mm. right, they, they can champion them in, in House okay. of Parliament. But there is that a machinery, which I think in some, in some ways is absolutely as well right okay uh, well, i'd argue that actually uh, historically we might not have had that cohesiveness but, but i think the one thing that does bring us together is the, the right now is the rise of far right the issue of islamophobia mm. and there is much more unity now amongst and the in that kind of 
you know, um, cohesiveness now yeah. than we've ever had previously. Yeah, we've no, had more Muslim MPs now, so I think it can only be a good thing. Yeah, no, no, t- t- totally agree that there are a lot of issues that push us together, mm. uh, and, and it would be good to actually see those 19 MPs being able to come together and you know and and see eye to eye on a number of those issues. And, and we're, 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 let's not forget a quite high profile individuals if we include the likes of Sajid Jawed and, mm. and, and Co. Right? Uh, I mean, I mean, just, just give us a bit of insight, Naz. I mean, a lot of our listeners. Will, will be quite intrigued to, to get a bit of insight. Do you, do you actually get, obviously, your, your opposition, so you, I'm, I'm sure you don't see eye to eye on everything, right? But do you, do you, do you get a, a much time to spend with the likes of Sajid Dawid and some of the other high-profile you know, you know, Muslim MPs in Parliament, you know, in, in, not in Parliament, in government, uh, and, and, and get to raise some of these issues with them at all? Well, when Christchurch happened, Sajid mm. and I had the conversations up that, that morning. Don't forget, it was British time. It was very early yeah. morning. It was yeah. central time when I, I um, learnt of what had happened. Yeah. So we had a conversation and I, I put out a statement that I'd spoken to the Home Secretary at the time. And there are things that, you know, I will certainly reach out and raise with Sajid, you know, especially given, you know, that they now have a majority and the issue is, you know, um, will, 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 you, will, you take him, will, will you take him to task, right, on the on the commitment he got got from, I guess, his leader now in, in the uh, the debates, the leadership debates that took place in the Conservative Party on television? He asked whether he was going to have a um, you know a, have a review of Islamophobia within the party. You're going to challenge him well, on that? Well, this is it. Well, this, this is this is something that we will continue to do, and it's right that we do. But will and you take Sajid Javid to task to that? Because he's the one who used that opportunity to sort of, I guess, appeal to to um, the, the Muslim sections of the Conservative Party. Well, I'm I'm not convinced that Sajid or Boris are committed to because they've appointed somebody mm. um, to lead this um, lead this you know this looking into this prejudice inquiry. Which has left, you know, which is really, really, it's got there's some serious questions about the person that they've appointed, and that's all over the media at the minute. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, so are they committed? Are they t- trying to do a whitewash? I would argue that they're not committed. Mm-hmm. If they were committed, they'd be, you know. But I'd like to see them making those, um, making making the case and making sure that we do have an inquiry. Look, Sajid Javid sat there and said, oh, there's no Islam for being the Tory party because my name is Sajid Javid and I'm yeah, not a secretary. In some ways he's doing a disservice. In some ways he's doing a bit of a disservice, isn't he, right? Because, you know, there's evidence all around him, but he's saying, no, 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 I'm here, so therefore... Well, there is, there must be none. Denial, but look, <laughs> look, the fact is that the the APPG definition has moved the conversation along, right. which had it not been for that all-party parliamentary group, I don't think the, the conversation would have been where it is now. Hmm. And there's been some history, there's been some tragedies that have also moved the conversation along, whether that was Finsbury Park, whether that was Rotherham, Macromalee, or whether it was, you know, uh, Birmingham, or whether it was Christchurch. The, the conversations have moved on. Um, and they're right to move on, and I think we need to carry on pushing them to be moving in the right direction, and for the to be able to hold this, uh, this government to account. You know, I, during my election, I mean, the kind of Islamophobia that I experienced from the um, Lyndon Kamkar and um, 
who was the Tory candidate in Bradford East, because, you know, a retweeting of, and I've made an official complaint about that. Mm. I haven't had a, you know, I've had an acknowledgement, but no response to what's happening there. Oh. And I did bump into James uh, Cleverly only a couple of days ago and said, you know, what are you doing? Because I'll come back to you. But there again, you know, they, mm. these things need to, need to be dealt with. And right. yes, of course, we'll keep holding them to account. All right. So we're fast running out of time. Naz, uh, I just wanted to ask Thank you, you very, very, very very quickly, surprised by the, the outcome last week on in general elections, especially the, the Conservative win in, in, in the North? And the gains in the north. Well, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Mm. I mean, I I had a very good result in Bradford West. I increased my majority by, you know, five thousand. I'd taken seventy-six percent of the vote share, but then I booked the national trend, and mm. um, Bradford West usually does. And but it de- devastating, you know, that we've we've you know got yeah. one of those kind of are, are, are you sad? Are you sad that Jeremy Corbyn Corbyn is is going to depart? Well, you know, he's taken us through two, ele- two elections and we've not won either of them. So I think it's only right. Will you then fight for somebody who's got the similar ethos as him and not not another B-Tech, as I call him, B-Tech uh, conservative? What's a B-Tech conservative? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, somebody who's, a, somebody who's, who's pretending to be Labour, I would actually deep down conservative, a conservative. Wow. Well the, well, the thing is, if you look at, you know, somebody argued with me the other day, we were talking about it, that, you know, Muslim constitution, is, you know, the Muslim vote held out and the Muslim vote is very, very, you know, it's like what you're talking about before I came onto your programme about, you know, what what is the value of the Muslim vote and can it influence them? And it absolutely can. But then somebody argued with me that actually Muslims are not socialists because they want, they, they buy into the idea of they want to work really, really hard so that they pass on their houses to their children, they pass on... Mm. They believe in hard work. They believe in getting on and getting upwards, and you know, improving. And it's a, it's a it's a conversation to be had. But the bottom the bottom line is the Tory party isn't for the for the minorities. Yeah, but we the thing is that what what Muslims do believe in strongly is social justice. And this man, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure the Labour Party, but this man, he stood for that. Right. And yeah, Jeremy Corbyn. Look, I mean, no, I've I've um I've, I've done lots of work during during the election period and um since then. In terms of, there's no question about Jeremy's supporting, um, you know, commitment to social justice issues and race equality, etc. And but the fact is that we've he's taken into two two elections. Yeah. Those two yeah. elections, he's, we've not won. And that then, you know, at the end of the day, we, we can be as as good as we want to. Mm. But if we're not it's in power, results. we can't make the changes. Yeah, mm. we can't change. But what mm. we to be able to in, to be able to change the, the actual reality on the ground, and investing, you know, social infrastructure, um, into communities, and be doing what we want to do is if we're in power. Right. And on two occasions, we haven't been in power. We've, you know, we've lost elections. We've lost 2015, 2017, 2019. So these three elections we've lost. So mm. we have to. Now it's clearly not worked, so we have to. You could continue to use the same tools. You build the same building. So, do, do you have so a fa- favourite leader to replace him then? Because I, I can see so some of the the B Tech Labour, uh, B Tech Conservatives, sort of, sort of backers are already sort of putting some of their candidates forward. Do you have a favourite well, candidate? Who would you, want? you say? Who were you? Who would you say? I would like candidate. Ra- ra- rather not sort of name names at this stage. Right. We're, we're running out of time. <laughs> we're, 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 we're running out of time. I haven't, I haven't, um, you know, for deputy leadership, I'm certainly supporting uh, Dawn Butler. 
Um, I worked to dawn, and I think she'd be right. fantastic. Campaign. Right, right, Naz, we're um, running, we're running out of time, unfortunately. Right, so fine. about to get a headline. I, I, I need to, I need to. You weren't uh, going to uh, get any headlines. Yeah, and, and, and I need to thank to. Naz for for her time uh, this evening for joining us and giving us a great insight into uh, the work that she's been doing and Muslim MPs in Parliament. Thank you very much, Naz, uh, this evening for joining much. us, and thank lovely you. to speak to you once again in the future, hopefully. Likewise, right, listeners, that was Naz Shah, and uh, that was Brother Zafar and uh, Hafiz. Shaban on Friday Night Live. We've got the last half an hour coming up. Number of different stories we're going to be covering, but we'll introduce those to you after the commercial break. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz, and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban and Brother Zafar here in the studios. Friday the 20th of December, 9, 7.30 p.m., right? So last half an hour of the show. And we've got a number of stories that we want to cover with you in this last half an hour. Uh, but before that, just uh, reaching out to our listeners again, 0158248822. We want to listen to you. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you're thinking, what your thoughts. 0779481822. We do give you an option of SMS and WhatsApp, right? So you don't have to dial in. You don't have to speak to us direct if you don't want to. But do send in some of your thoughts and some of your feelings and some of your you know comments on the show, on some of the stories that we're covering and any of the opinions that you want to share with us. We've been discussing with Nas we've been discussing for, with members of the Congress in India we've been discussing with the military from Pakistan so Brother Zafar we've been going quite international today this evening mashallah uh, so this is Inspire FM Inspire FM is reaching a lot of different corners of the world mashallah so that's fantastic because that's what we want we want to speak to real people on the real stories and get their thoughts and their opinions and of course also to challenge them on some of their thoughts and their opinions on some of these lead stories that we're covering we're coming back home closer to shores in the uk and we're going to, we've got another fantastic guest this evening inshallah in the last 15 20 minutes and his brother roshan muhammad uh, from five pillars now a lot of you are probably f- very familiar with this news outlet five pillars mashallah there's a lot of fantastic uh, work uh, for for the uk muslims uh, what are the muslims thinking is one of its tags right uh, and we are indeed speaking to uh, I believe the editor of uh, Five Pillars this evening was with his brother Roshan Mohammed. Salaam alaikum, brother uh, Roshan Mohammed. Uh, hopefully, you can hear me uh, this evening. Uh, Waalaikum salam. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Fantastic to have you back on Friday Night Live this evening. Jazakallah for your time this evening, inshallah. Ta'ala. What, what, what have you been up to, brother? I, I know very, very busy at Five Pillars. Uh, has it been any different over the last couple of weeks because we haven't spoken to you for a while? No, we're very busy. I mean, there's so many stories to cover domestically or uh, and internationally. Uh, just wish we had, uh, I guess, more money and more staff to cover everything because we've got stories coming out of our ears. But um, it's impossible to cover everything. Obviously, the elections just happened, so that's yeah. uh, probably a, quite a depressing moment for most British Muslims in this country. Mm. And then abroad, we have the usual, you know, bad stuff happening in India and China mm. and elsewhere. So, mm. you know, unfortunately, Muslims 
things are at the forefront. I mean, it keeps me busy as a journalist. It keeps yeah. me in the job. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, Muslims seem to be uh, at the front of every page, whether it's domestically or internationally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, as you say, it keeps you very, very busy from, from a journalistic perspective. Uh, but of course, we need a lot of that good work. And I'm sure there's still, you know, arguably a huge shortage of, you know, the analysis and, and getting those opinions out there, getting the voices heard. Uh, for a lot of those who are, of course, have got, have not, don't simply have a voice, and, and and one of the category of people that we, I, I mean, I have to be fair, Inspire has been covering it quite a lot, and that's the Uyghur Muslims of of mm. China, right? And uh, a very interesting story that broke out, of course, uh, this last week, and that was the the story of Ozil, uh, who was obviously I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Mesut Ozil, I think it is Ozil, Ozil, Ozil. There we go, Ozil, right? The Arsenal fan. I'm not a big Arsenal fan, I have to confess, right? But Ozil, of, of course, I mean, we, we get a lot of these Muslim players, you know, of course they, they represent Islam, you know, making du'as, making sujuds, and people associate you know, Islam with with a lot of these Muslims, you know, whether it's Mane, whether it's Muhammad Salah, and of course Ozil, and Ozil's taken to social media to raise the plight mm. of the Uyghur Muslims, and it hasn't gone down very well, has it, with the Chinese authorities? No, it hasn't. They're very defensive about any criticism whatsoever. It also hasn't gone down very well with Arsenal Football Club, which mm. have, you know, extensive business ties with China, and um, they kind of distanced themselves from the players' comments mm. um, and weren't happy at all with what he did, uh, and actually even, I think, left him out of the game or substituted him um, when he was probably shouldn't have been substituted. So that could have been seen as a kind of rebuke. He wasn't very happy of being taken off the pitch. Mm. Uh, I think he maybe made... He, he join the dots yeah i mean obviously this has been one of the biggest stories uh, on our website the last year and uh, it's nothing that kind of really riles five pillars readers more than the repression of muslims uh, in xinjiang province uh, and you know the repression is so obvious and so blatant um, and i think really the the whole kind of notion of any islamic identity seems to be in the crosshairs of the chinese authorities um, but at the same time i have slight reservations about this story based on what's happened in the Muslim world over the last kind of 20 years we've seen several of our countries destroyed Afghanistan Iraq Syria mm. Libya you know many many yeah. other countries yeah um, and I think that's partially uh, obviously the West has spearheaded those efforts mm. but it's also partially our fault in the, in, in the sense that we have been kind of complicit exiles uh, in the West have been complicit in terms mm. of banging the drums for war. And I'm slightly concerned that the West seems to be leading this propaganda campaign against this Chinese repression. We know it's happening. We yeah. know it's egregious. We know it's horrible. Yeah. But why is the Western media and the politicians well, really banging the drums of kind of anti-China sentiment? And I think it's it's pure geopolitics. Absolutely. And I'm just concerned that we could be caught in the middle yeah. and something very bad could happen there, um, which is ultimately against the interests of the Uyghurs Right. Uh, and the, the against the interests of the other Chinese Muslims. I mean, I was just going to quote to you CNN, US Secretary of State, would you believe it? Mike Pompeo has backed mm. Arsenal soccer star mm-hmm. Meza Ozil yeah, in was, condemning yeah. China's stream. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, what's does Mike he, Pompeo does he know got where, to where do Arsenal with? Arsenal is. <laughs> you know, China, brothers, uh, China is the second most powerful country in the world. Yeah. And it's a country that yeah. is politically, economically, militarily, mm. 
necessarily it can't be bullied by yeah. anybody yeah. not even america yeah. and uh, you know obviously america sees it as a threat and they've just kind of latched onto this issue they don't care about muslims correct yeah. we know they don't care about muslims we've seen mm. what's happened in iraq afghanistan elsewhere yeah. these last couple of decades in the war on terror they don't mm. care about muslims mm. so why are they latching onto this issue and i think as muslims we have to be sure yeah. that we don't allow ourselves to be exploited taken, taken for a something, ride. Needs, but her, something needs to be done yeah, in, but, in, yeah. in Xinjiang no doubt yeah. but let's not get make it a worse situation than it is now right brother Zephyr but, but having said that I think uh, well a lot of the information right from some I guess independent sources are telling us that, that there is the situation is not good mm. and then the Chinese aren't their story isn't believable either mm. Right, so so what they're putting out is oh yes, it's vocational training and everything's hunky dory and you know we, we're going to fast track all these people right to to become you know uh, professionals etc. Uh, that's not true either. Uh, and so so what 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 are we meant to believe? No, but Rosa, you know? but, but Russian's point is valid, which is yeah the 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 the, the tyranny of the Chinese is is well known, well established, but and, uh, but also what is well known is America is no good friends of or you know no no mm. friends of, of of the Muslims. So the fact that they are actually calling out the Chinese is not their sympathy for the Muslim cause. It, it's more geopolitical than, than than anything else. I think that's the point that you were making, uh, Russian, right? Yeah, I mean, what I'm concerned about is that the the West could push this to be some kind of armed uprising and then you might get mm. you know al-qaeda isis type groups forming which is not the tradition of the uyghur muslims mm. um and i just fear this situation might spiral out of control intentionally you know and ultimately that's in no one's interest it's not in the chinese interest it's not in the muslims interest interest in that part of the world so the question is how can we solve this situation and the fact is sorry brothers i can hear a massive echo in my ear i don't know whether you can do something about that my voice is coming back at me two seconds after i speak don't know whether that can be shut down but i'll, I'll try and continue um what what i think is that there are a lot of muslim countries that are completely dependent on china uh for example pakistan iran are two countries that have been completely condemned by world muslim opinion for not speaking up on behalf of the uyghurs and that's because they're dependent on china to a certain extent so imran khan for example has chosen to put the economic interests of pakistan ahead of the human rights of the uyghurs and so is president rouhani of uh, iran and we can we could name other Muslim countries as well. Yeah. But at the same time, these countries do have some influence over China as well. And they should be pressured into be putting some kind of, you know, pressure on China at least. They can't just get away scot-free with saying nothing. Even if it's behind the scenes, they must do something. They must tell the Chinese authorities that this repression is not in your interest. Mm. If you don't want an armed uprising, don't provoke an armed uprising. Mm. I mean, that, that is an interesting point. But as you say, I mean, uh, a lot of the activists that we've had uh, representing you know the Uyghur community uh, from America from Canada expats wherever they are that's been a number one concern which is the silence of them of, of the Muslim countries as, as if the mm. silence itself and brushing things under the carpet will make things go away and it simply doesn't happen uh, and, and you're right actually to actually channel some of those conversations in an intelligent way is probably the right way of actually looking at it as opposed to just silence uh, which means you know not damaging any potential interest that we may have what, what what else has been making uh, headlines for you, Roshan, over the last couple of days, weeks? I mean, there, there was a story that you were covering on your site with regards to a, a Christchurch-like terror plot in Luton. 
from it? Well, that was the press release we got from the police, actually, the Metropolitan Police who were mm. involved in that. Um, I mean, I think a man has been charged, a Polish man has been charged now. Mm. So there's a thing to be... Concerning um, that. Some, yeah, I mean, obviously the rise of the far right in Britain yeah. is... I mean, obviously, we shouldn't prejudge a trial or a case. We don't know specifically whether this guy is guilty or not. Let's find out. A trial will be mm. happening soon. But I think we can talk in general terms about the rise of the far right in this country, which is extremely concerning. We've had the latest prevent referral figures come out a few days ago yeah. from the Home Office, which say that now... Um, right-wing referrals to the prevent counter-extremism strategy uh, are at 24%, which is exactly the same as so-called Islamist referrals. Yeah. So you can see the, the rise of far-right extremism over the last few years. We've seen mm. the Joe Cox murder. And obviously, you know, we've for, for decades now, we've had this climate of hate being produced by politicians and media because these kind of fringe figures that commit these atrocities or plot these plans, they don't come from nowhere. They come mm ultimately from a context and that is a climate of hate mm. and now we have Boris Johnson as Prime Minister who has mm. blatantly hate-mongered against Muslims and we have Paul Golding of Britain First Tommy Robinson Kate Hopkins mm. all cheering on his vote and ultimately we see a very right-wing vote especially in England happening in the election last week which unfortunately I had concluded means that England is a right-wing country or large proportions of it are London maybe not because they voted Labour but um, um, it, it, it is a real concern. Yeah, it's interesting because you, you've got an opinion poll on, on your website. Why did Jeremy Corbyn lose the election? And I, and I just had a quick look at it. Uh, 46% of the people apparently think it was because it was rigged. But anyway, we, we, we leave that to, to, to another day, conversation for, for another day. But I mean, uh, uh, Russian, just before we, we, we let you go, thank you very much for your time this evening. I mean, what, what else, you know, I mean, obviously it's a, you're talking about your website. I'm quite interested in terms of you probably get a lot of traffic from the, from the, from the Muslim community in, in the UK. Uh, you're obviously not only UK-wide news coverage, but also you try to. You're quite global in terms of your scope. Uh, is, in terms of your team itself, is is it uh, quite a big team that that covers the new news stories? Not and at all. I mean, it's it's just myself and Dilly Hussein, who I'm sure you know, who's uh, you know we're partners in this enterprise. We started the website about six years ago, right. uh, and we are the guys that are on it full time, um, working on it. But obviously, we do work with. Free Freelancers in yeah. in Britain and around the world, mm. uh, but we're quite a small outfit. But we have big ambitions, and uh, right. inshallah, you know, there's definitely a need, I think, for the Muslim community to to have media outlets like yourself, yeah. Yeah. Um, like ourselves. There's room for for many of us. But I think one thing I would say is that we're very. We're a very generous community. We, we do have money in our community, but we tend to give it to humanitarian causes. And I think we, as a community, yeah. need to start thinking more strategically. Yeah. Um, and we must give to humanitarian causes. Yeah. I do myself, of course we do. Yeah. Yeah. But we also have to think about our think tanks, yeah. our, our, our political institutions, our media yeah. institutions, and the Muslim community really needs to support those as well. Uh, um, because ultimately, if we fail to do that, then we're not going to advance as a community. And I think you have national on a bit earlier on no. uh, I would say that our Muslim MPs do not represent us they uh, represent the parties who got them into parliament right. in the first place. you know, you know um, I, I, I wanted you earlier and I said I asked the pr pr producers can we get Russian <laughs> because uh, you know to channel it, uh, you know some of that conversation I but, uh, but, I, I, but don't I worry about it next time
Yeah, yeah. All, all I would say is that yeah. we need first and foremost. Yes, we do need to engage with the yeah. political system. I, yeah. I, I believe that, you know. Yeah. But ultimately, first and foremost, we have to build our own independent, self-funding, self-sufficient institutions, mm. and we have to. And and then we're in the driving seats. We can adhere to our Islamic, religious, and political principles without compromising w one inch, and. It's only when we build that strong community to solidify the strong institutions to solidify our own community, first and foremost, that we can put pressure on mm. the mainstream to listen to our agenda right. rather than begging at the, you know, for right. crumbs at the mm. table of the Conservatives or the Labour Party. Fantastic. Uh, Roshan, I mean, a couple of things. I, I think you, you've, you've touched upon a very important subject matter, and I think it's a subject matter we can probably discuss in the future, and that's about journalism and some of the other, you know, enterprises within the Muslim community and, and, and you know, the, the value and uh, the role of them, uh, you know, for, for the Muslim community. So I think that's a good topic for, for future discussions. And for maybe time, very, sure. very quickly, a last message, if you can pass on to Dilly. We've tried to contact Dilly on a number of occasions to get him onto this program. I think we're getting more luck with you, Rush, and then, uh, then, then Dilly. Uh, I think Zafar wants to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of uh, uh, just pick up on, on the news story in Luton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although I, I guess I think we're not we're not we're not meant to say a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that if this person is tried, uh, and he's mm. he's obviously from from the Polish background, obviously Poles live very closely. With the, the the local Muslim community, and yeah. in, some, in many cases they work work with and work you know closely with, yeah. with the community. Yeah. Uh, and and it'll be it'll be a great shame to be honest, because I think polls have been targeted by extremists, uh, and I think it, uh, I think it was uh, Britain first who opened up a Polish chapter. I think uh, if I'm not uh, if mm. I'm not wrong, mm. um, you know, just well, to hey, in Luton? Uh, not in Luton, okay, right, right, but right. in the UK, okay. Okay. just to try and attract sort of Polish immigrants right, right. who might be tending towards that that kind of line of thinking. Right, right, right. Uh, so okay. ho hopefully this this was a one-off case, and then there isn't a, a bigger, uh, you know, trouble brewing uh, okay. between the community. I think. All right, fantastic. All right, Russian. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening, and thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, listeners, that was uh, Brother Russian Muhammad Saleh. Great speaking to him. Editor of Five Pillars uh, UK.com. Right, uh, brothers, brothers, Zafar, uh, mashallah, good conversation with the brother Russian after after a while, I think, on uh, Friday night live. So that that's good, and hopefully, my, my request for a message to go out to Dilly, we need we need to get brother Dilly on uh, on the on the on the, the show sometime, inshallah, in in the future. But listeners, it is uh, uh, myself, Hafi Shaban, and brother Zafar here on the airwaves of Friday night live, uh, waiting to to get some interaction from our listeners. Oh, one. Five eight two four eight one eight double two zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two. Last ten minutes, brothers, are for on uh, on the airwaves, and I think we've got one final story that we're going to be covering. Yes, indeed, I think so. Uh, the the it's been touched on before. Mm. So Lord Carlisle has been removed from the the, the independent review uh, of of the prevent uh, uh, legislation. Uh, and that's been brought up um, 
basically as a result uh, this is what's been claimed in the independent at least anyway right. and Yasmin can, can, who's going to be joining us can confirm that right. uh, as a result the, the legal challenge by uh, so, so this, is a, UK. this is a legal challenge on, on the prevent legislation itself no no is it's not it's not it's on the individual Lord Carlisle being independent enough to review the legislation I think that's right. that's uh, so he's been removed from, from that post right. effectively uh, and if we get hold of Yasmin she can confirm that if that's right so we, we are in the process of reaching out to Yasmin Ahmed who is the director of Rights Watch UK so she'll be giving us uh, the background information when we get through to her uh, I'm going to quickly look at this story because I haven't had time to look at this story anything else that's caught your so attention this week yeah uh, so the, 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 the stories that we've covered already uh, Brother Zafar uh, no Alhamdulillah we will cover the fair selection of those uh, today uh, but I think this is an interesting story right because Lord Carlisle has been around for quite a while and he's been reviewing the, the prevent uh, strategy and the legislation, etc., mm. etc., and, and I think he's always been very supportive of governments, whether they've been Labour or not. And I think he, he's a Labour peer or a Lib Dem peer. He's not definitely not Conservative. Right. Uh, so part of the reason may well have been that that because he doesn't represent the current ruling party, uh, he's been removed. But then again, he was he was he was a reviewer under Cameron as well. Mm. Um, so so whether it's through the legal uh, as a result of the the legal challenge or other technicalities etc we'll find right. out shortly so I've got, you know, we're trying to get through to her but unsuccessfully at the moment yeah. uh, but I, I do have the story here in front of me it has been stood down by the government as an independent review as you said in a letter to rights watch UK which launched the legal action right against the Home Office earlier this year government's legal advisors have said that they had full confidence in his work but confirmed his role had been concluded right mm-hmm. in terms of reference okay fine that's fine uh, Carlisle a former Liberal Democrat MP, Liberal as you're you, you saying, was uh, was the independent reviewer of terrorism legislation, right, from 2001 until 2011. Right, welcoming the decision. We can't get through to Yasmin, but we've got a quote from Yasmin Ahmed, uh, Executive Director of uh, Rights Watch UK. This is, a, this is an outstanding victory for those who are committed to seeing a genuine and robust review of the prevent strategy. Our concerns with Lord Carlyle have always been clear and well evidence his long-standing objection to any kind of criticism or overhaul of prevent is no secret. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're a supporter, you can't be an independent reviewer in essence, right? Yes. This means that review lacked buy-in and cooperation from those it most needed to engage. Yeah, in totally some ways, if, if it is true, if it's as as a result of the legal challenge, mm. uh, then I think it's it. I think it's another another first. I would say where where a successful challenge has been brought. Yeah. Um, actually, no. There was there was a challenge to to prevent legislation by somebody else as well, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure that was successful in the High Court or not. Right. Uh, but uh, but this this actually a, a significant result at least anyway. All right. Uh, it is important that the Home Secretary now takes the time to ensure mistakes which led to Lord Carlisle's appointment are not repeated mm, alright that's interesting uh, but I mean, I mean I wonder what impact that's going to have anyway in terms of uh, the legislation itself alright uh, you know I think it's well, toxic I, I as, as, as it's well known let, let me let me read the, the quote from MCB to you Harun Khan Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain said we welcome the news Lord Carlisle will no longer be leading the independent review to prevent and that the terms of reference will be reconsidered we have long advocated a robust, wide-ranging and objective review of this strategy 
that has left Muslims feeling demonized, targeted and spied on. A truly independent review of how this strategy has impacted communities under the state in terms of reference would have been impossible under Carlisle. Indeed. Mm. So, so I, I, th- I think it's, um, it's. I guess from from, from the wider public's perspective, uh, mm. there's been lots of voices of disquiet against uh, um, against this legislation. Um, but uh, uh, you know, this the idea of having an independent reviewer was mm. meant to have meant to assure the the broader bring, community, yeah, a broader a community bit of a that consensus, bring in engagement, exa- and, and show exa- that you know the exactly. government's really going to now ex- exactly. look into this because of the wide you know con- exactly. concerns. And, and, so, and so the brand was toxified. This was mm. an attempt by the government to say, well, actually, hang on, uh, it's not taxes; it's serving a useful purpose, and we'll bring somebody to review it. Yeah. So they, then they bring somebody. Who's tainted with previous, yeah, exactly. or, uh, and so it's not going to done a good job in effect. But mm. it's not going to make a lot of difference, to be honest. If somebody else is bought in, yeah, yeah, yeah um, exactly. The, the whole idea is they're trying to sell a, a toxic brand, effectively, and yeah. and people they, they see it, you know, from, from the impact it's having. Mm. You know, so uh, fair enough. All right, uh, listeners. Uh, I think we're, we're fast approaching the the last two minutes of uh, Friday Night Live for this evening, uh, Friday the twentieth of December. I mean, it's a good suggestion that the producers have made for next week. I know it's Christmas next week, right? But it's a a, a year of review. A year of review. Yeah, I, I mean, so I think that's a that's a good well, idea. Need more than two hours. I think. <laughs> we're not going to need two hours. Is it? All right. Yeah, I think you need uh, more than two hours. Oh, we need more than two hours. Yeah. Oh, well, unfortunately, we're not going to have more than two hours, but we we could probably compact it. Within the within the two hours next uh, next week, and do a, a year in, in in review and get a number of different panelists to to discuss that. So I think that that's an exciting prospect for next week. I mean, very seldom do we actually discuss what are the stories for next week for for, for our listeners. But here's an opportunity to get a, a preview of what's potentially going to be lined up sure. next week for you. Maybe people can actually uh, WhatsApp in their suggestions as to what their significant topic was, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, or headline was that we can discuss right and, and that that's a, a a change of approach right for friday night live which is actually getting our in active involvement of our listenership absolutely active involvement of our listenership. we always welcome it you, you know, know, you know we why, why don't you define our agenda or a story for us for next week you know you know sure. there would be nothing better than you know our listeners calling in or messaging and say hey guys right you haven't covered the following on friday night live why don't you cover this for, for next week and you know what to be honest with you uh we we, we would we would seriously consider that. We, we will we, seriously we, we, consider that. And we will pick that up, even if we don't pick it up as a as a main story, as a as a other story, you know, segment. We would cover it in in, in there, right? So sure. that's a, that's a message to our listeners. If you got a story there that you want us to cover on Friday Night Live, sending 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 the story to us, sending the, the you know your your message to us, and you know what, we will promise to cover that, even if not as a as a full half an hour slot, you know, maybe a five ten minute slot. If 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 it, if it uh, warrants that anyway. As long as it's legal, right? <laughs> as long as it's legal, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, 20 seconds and counting. Uh, next week, inshallah, a year in review. So if there's anything particular that meets your, uh, or that's caught your attention over the last year, 2019, then again, let us know and we'll try to get that you know covered next week, inshallah. But brothers, Zafar for joining us uh, this evening. You have made it a lot more interesting with you Sakla in the head. studio. Enjoy uh, Until next week, assalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.